I entitled this Glimpses of the Cross Throughout Scripture. We're going to be looking at a bunch of different scripture this morning. For those that like that, you can say yay. For those that don't, you can just say oh well. <clears throat> the Apostle John wrote his gospel. And his gospel is different than a lot of the other gospels in that uh, he records different events. And he wanted... Uh, Everybody to know that Jesus was God, that Jesus is God, and that he came to save us from our sins. So he begins his gospel with this, in the beginning, sounds sort of like Genesis 1, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, the divine Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, don't let some of the cults tell you that there's not a definite article there, so it could mean any God. The word word there means that he was God in everything that he did, not just in appearance or fashion, but totally, completely God and totally, completely human. He is the God-man. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you today, would you just enliven your word with the power of your Holy Spirit? Speak to our hearts in a very clear and understandable way. Uh, Let us know uh, what you're saying, and Father, let us act upon it, and not just be forgetful hearers, but faithful doers of your word. Father, would you speak to those who have never accepted Jesus Christ personally as their Lord and Savior, that today would be their day of reckoning. Today would be the day that they realize they've got to take care of it. Father, for the rest of us who need to make decisions, give us courage to do that publicly. In Christ's name I pray, amen. There was an old saying when I was growing up, I don't know if they still use it or not, it went like this, you can't see the forest for the trees. If you didn't know what that meant, here's what it means. It basically means you can't see the big picture because you're so enthralled or so focused on the little bitty details. It means that you need a different perspective. It means that you need to see things a little bit differently. Now, I think that's especially true of Jesus and all the prophecies concerning him going and dying on a cross. The Jewish nation knew all the details of the Messiah, but they missed the big picture of what God was really up to and how God was going to do it and who he was going to do it through. If we're not careful, we can be guilty of that same thing. You see, they couldn't imagine God's own son, the Messiah, dying on the cross, but they didn't have to imagine because God had it all planned out. See, God finished his eternal salvation plan When Jesus died on the cross and three days later raised from the dead. See, God finished his eternal salvation plan when Jesus died on the cross and raised three days later from the dead. And so I'm going to look at a few glimpses of the cross throughout some scripture tonight. Just getting ready because Easter is, uh, Brother Galen already said, will be upon us very quickly on April the 21st. And so let's look at some things. The first thing I want you to know and remember is this. The cross was not God's plan B. Did you hear that? 
The cross was not God's plan B. First of all, you need to realize it started in eternity past. Nothing takes our God by surprise. He is omniscient. That's a fancy theological term. means he knows everything. I don't want a God who is surprised. I don't want to know a God who doesn't know what's going to happen. And if we believe that God is God, then the very nature of God is he knows everything. So when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it did not surprise God. We need to understand that. There are several scriptures I could read, but I'm going to read, uh, first of all, uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter, if you're taking notes, 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20, says this. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless, aimless conduct received by the traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Let's read Revelation 13.8. I'm going to read it for you. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You see, we need to understand that uh, before God made anything, he sat down and he knew what was going to happen. He had a plan in place. It wasn't a secondary thought. He looked down through history. He saw, he saw our marred vision, how sin had done to us, and said, that one needs a Savior. And Jesus said, I'm going. It wasn't plan B. It started in eternity past. Before time began, Jesus, the Lamb of God, was already slain in God's eyes before the foundation of the world. Well, how does that work? Well, you see, our God is not just omniscient. He's omnipresent. And we take that to mean he's with all of us wherever we're at at the same time. Everybody say amen. That's true. But the part of it we don't really understand is, do you realize God knows the past, the present, and the future and can live in all three at the same time? He's not bound by space and time. That just blow your mind? Isn't that awesome? And so he's already seen our future glorification as if it's already done. We're seated, as Ephesians says, at the right hand of God in glory. And as we talk about God's plan and this kind of God, do you think that God can't handle your problems? Do you think that he doesn't have a plan for your life? And a place for you to fit in? Do you think that somehow you've trickled through and God made a mistake making you like you are? No. That's the way you say it when you really want to emphasize it. You make it three or four syllables. No. No way. As Maddox says, "Uh uh-uh, Papa. Ain't no way. God doesn't make mistakes. God had a plan. It started in eternity past. And he wants to help with our problems, but mainly he wants to help with our sin problem. That's why Jesus died on the cross in my place and yours. Not just that, Jesus was involved before the beginning. Again, look at John 1 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, fully God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. 
We could also read the same thing in the book of Colossians. If you're taking notes, it's in uh, Colossians 1, 16 through 18. It says, for by him, speaking of Jesus, for by Jesus all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He has intimate knowledge of you and I, and yet he still came to the cross and died in our place so that we could have eternal life. Hallelujah. That is some kind of love. In 1 John 3, 1, John the Apostle, speaking of Jesus willingly volunteering to come and die in my place and yours, says this, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. And then he tells us what manner, that we should be called children of God. Now, if that doesn't ring your bell, see me after church, your clapper's broken. You need it fixed. And I'll turn you over to the deacons and they'll work on you a little while. Think about it. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God because we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a plan B. He planned on doing it, and he still made the world knowing that mankind was going to sin, knowing the mess we were going to make of things. And he, Jesus said, but I'm going down to give them hope. And one day he's coming back to straighten up this mess and make all things new. Wow. That excites me. The second thing I wanted you to realize is this. What God would not let man do, he did for us. Now, here's what I'm talking about. In Genesis chapter 22, (laughs) in Genesis chapter 22, he's dealing with Abraham. Abraham is old and advanced in years, and he's told Abraham, go to Mount Moriah on the mountain I will show you. And offer up Isaac, the son of promise. All your hopes and dreams are tied up in the only child that you have. He is the child of promise. It says there you're going to take him and offer him as a burnt offering. God had never required that. But how much did Abraham trust God? He marched three days. And when you go to that passage... In verse 7, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father said, Here I am, my son. He said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for burnt offering. And the two of them went on together. As you go into that that chapter, it says that, that Abraham set the wood, tied his son up, raised him up. It said that he had the knife in his hand, ready to plunge it into his son. And Hebrews tell us that he believed that God would raise him from the dead if need be because that's the child of promise. And God called out, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. Don't slay the son for now I know. Well, God already knew, but he wanted Abraham to know. What a test of faith. And Abraham looked behind him and there in the bushes was a ram caught in the thicket and he took him and offered him. And to this day it was called, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Well, what is that? That's a picture. Now, did you get it? That is a graphic picture 
of the hundreds and centuries later of what God would allow his son to go through. He wouldn't allow Abraham to sacrifice his son. But he was going to sacrifice his own well-loved son in our place for our sin. There on the cross because in this book of John... John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he was pointing at Jesus. Not only that, but Jesus himself tells us this in John chapter 10, 17 and 18. He says this, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down by myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up. This command I receive from my Father. You see, most scholars think that that place where Abraham was offering Isaac is the very place that Jesus would die on the cross. God does nothing by happenstance. God doesn't make mistakes. God has a plan and he has the power to fulfill it. If you think you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you were made the wrong way, in our society that's getting to be more common, I'm going to say, fall to raw. God doesn't do that. Not the real God. What Jesus is saying in that is this. He wasn't unlucky. He wasn't in the wrong place at the wrong time. He didn't get caught up in some kind of political intrigue that he couldn't handle. He willingly went to the cross for you and for me. And he knew what he was doing. And he faced it head on and said, I love you this much. Wow. If that doesn't do something for your self-esteem, something's wrong with you, okay? If that doesn't make you realize that wherever you're at and whatever circumstance you're in, God is still at work. He still has a plan. Don't give up. Don't quit. Just realize he's there. He's not going to leave you. He promised never to leave us and forsake us. He promised us that all things work together for good. That those who love the Lord are called according to his purpose. And then he tells us that purpose is whom he knew he foreordained to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, he wants to make us more like Jesus through what we undergo in this lifetime. Hallelujah. Some of us just don't look as much like Jesus as we should, so he has to work harder. Right? That's right. I'm one of those. So we see that the cross wasn't plan B. We see that God wouldn't let Abraham do what he was going to do himself with his own well-loved son. The third thing we see is this. God told us what he was going to do all through the prophets. He did. Read Isaiah 55 and 56 when you get home. Some of those chapters in Isaiah that speak of, uh, of the suffering servant. There's more of them. But I, I, I wanted, because of time's sake, to look at Luke chapter 24 with you this morning. In Luke, I'm sorry, verse 23. Let me see if I'm where I'm supposed to be. No, it's Luke 24. Jesus is walking on the road of Emmaus after he's risen from the dead. There are two disciples there. One of them is identified as someone called Cleopas. And they are conversing, and he was going to pass them by. And then he listens to them and says, well, who are you talking about? Don't you know anything about what happened in Jerusalem and how they crucified him? We hoped that he was going to be the Messiah and the consolation, in other words, uh, restoring Israel. 
And then after listening to him, in verse 25, he says this. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. See, God has revealed to the prophets. Maybe we didn't understand everything, or maybe we refused to believe. Some have refused to believe God's own word today. I want you to hear me, and I don't want you to mistake this. Don't misquote me. I don't know why you'd quote me anyway, but some of y'all do. Okay? You need to understand. You don't believe God's word. Where's your faith? Here's what I mean. I've had good Christians come up and say, you can't believe in a little seven days of creation. Sure I can. That's what God said. Well, you can't. I can just be a Christian and not believe that. I believe in theistic evolution or this or that or the other. Listen to me. I'm not saying that you can't be a Christian if you, if you sort of hold to that. But what I'm saying is you're casting doubt on God's word that it's true. And if it's not true there, where else is it wrong? Why are so many young people leaving our churches disillusioned? One is the way we act, not like Christians. But the second reason is this. We cast doubt on God's word. And if they can't trust God's word, what are they doing in church? Well, I don't believe in that flood and all that other stuff. Well, I want to tell you something. You just don't believe. What did he tell Thomas? Quit becoming unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas fell down and said, my Lord and my God. Now, if that made some of you mad, see me after church. We'll talk about it. But you see, you need to understand, he's telling them, why are you so slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken? And it says, ought not the Christ have to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? This was God's plan, the cross. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. God has told us. You go home and read Psalm 22. David has a vision of the crucifixion. Some of those very things that happened to Jesus, even though at this time we know David had probably never seen a crucifixion. It was God that did it. Want some more about God speaking? In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. From the front to the back, this book is about Jesus and the redemption plan of God. There's a lot of fun stuff in there, but we all go into the main thing. Don't get so bogged down in the details that you can't see the forest for the trees. And then it goes on and says, Has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the worlds. Do we understand that? Do you understand that God has spoken to the prophets? He's given us what we do, and we need to believe. You need to understand that the cross wasn't plan B. You need to understand that God was working his plan. You need to understand, and I need to remember and understand, that God has told us what he's going to do. We need to get in our Bibles. And for those that doubt the future, you need to get in your Bibles and see what the plan of God says, what he's going to do in the future. I could have entitled this instead of the cross. I could have entitled it, he's still on his throne. His plan, he's working it. Nobody's going to stop him. He's still on his throne. 
in the midst of your pain, in the midst of some of your sorrow, in the midst of what's going on, I wanted to tell you one thing you need to hold on to. God is still on his throne. Uh, come on, church, let's say it together. God is still on his throne. Come on, you're supposed to sway a little bit when you say that. Come on. God is still on his throne. Some of you are doing it. Come on. There we go. Delaney Ferguson, you're not swaying. What's wrong with you? By the way, where's your boy toy? I got to meet him Wednesday night. He's not here today. Oh, she's turning red. I only had one question for him, and he turned bright red. I don't know what the deal was. Delaney wanted to know if he could kiss, and I asked him, and then she was upset with me for asking. Now her mama's embarrassed, and her daddy's turned red, too. My preaching is fun. I love y'all. Delaney, you're a good girl. Don't be kissing no boys. Yeah. You get mono. Don't be kissing no girls either, though, okay? Let's go on. I'm chasing rabbits. But you understand and I understand that this stuff of the cross as we see it told through Scripture is good news and it's told from the front of the book to the end of the book. Let's, let's finish this up before I run out of time. The fourth thing, God's actions, what he was doing, God's actions were witnessed in a manger by lowly shepherds. Whoo! What, what do you mean? That's the Christmas story. Yeah, but it's also the story from the cradle to the cross. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to be lifted up so that all men and women would be drawn to him. That gave us hope, y'all. Because he died on the cross and he rose the third day. Y'all better get excited about Easter. Something wrong with y'all this morning. Okay? Hey, I got a good night's sleep last night. There wasn't four little feet in my side. <laughs> I didn't have Asher. He's precious as he is, but buddy, he sleeps right next to you and he snores. I'd wake up and look at that pretty little Anyway. In Luke chapter 2, you remember the story. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem. See this thing which has come to pass, which is the Lord has made known to us. Priests weren't looking for it. The religious leaders weren't looking for it, so God chose the shepherds. <laughs> they came with haste, found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the same which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things were told them by the shepherd. You see, they were witness to what God was doing. But here's why I get excited God didn't go to the great kings of the earth. And have a son born there. God didn't go to the rich and the infamous. God didn't go to those who were highly educated and geniuses. God didn't go to those who were powerful like Herod. God didn't go to all those people. But just to plain, ordinary people that were shepherds. Really, one of the lowest rungs in the Jewish social order. Well, why does that excite you? Because that means there's hope for me. Right? It's hope for you. Y'all are on a higher rung than me, but understand that. It's good news. His actions were witnessed by everyday folks. That's why he said, for God so loved the world that whosoever, that's where I come in, 
Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes is not condemned. But he who believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Belief there is not a head knowledge. It is not a verbal acclamation, affirmation. It is a life-changing belief. I trust you to do what you said. I repent of my sins. I place my faith in you. You are the boss of my life, Jesus. That's life-changing. And it happened and witnessed at the start by lowly shepherds at a manger scene. I wonder how many of them heard of Jesus' miracles after that birth and said, Oh, I was there. How many of them heard, Oh, I can't believe it, they crucifying Jesus. How many of them heard? Did you hear he rose from the dead? Did you hear? Oh, my. Because anybody that's going around talking about Jesus like that and witnessing what God has done is bound to want to try to keep up with it, right? Some of y'all don't act like you're nosy because you are just like me. And you would have kept up with it too. Some of us just have a need to know, correct? Rachel always had a need to know. You couldn't have a conversation in my house without Rachel sneaking around the corner trying to hear. And she was a good Baptist. Whatever she didn't hear, she filled in the blanks. Am I telling you the truth, Elizabeth? Is that right? Okay. Last thing. God blessed Jesus for his example. God blessed Jesus for his example. In Mark 1, 11, where Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water. Here's what the Father says. You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What a testimony. At the transfiguration in Matthew 17, beginning verse 5, you know, Peter says, Oh, we need to build a temple for Elijah and for Moses and one for you. And a cloud overshadows them and they fall down scared to death. And the voice of the Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Are you listening to Jesus and what he's saying today? Have you taken time to find out what it is? But not just that, in Philippians chapter 2, beginning with about verse 5, it talks about, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because he was God. But made himself of no reputation, came as a servant, being found in the form of a man. He humbled himself, even to the point of death, the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which above every name, that the name of Jesus, are you, are you hearing me? At the name of Jesus, after the cross, after the resurrection, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess of those things above the earth, under the earth, and on the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Of the Father. When we read that Revelation 13, 8 passage. Those folks weren't written in the book. But before the judgment seat of Christ. They'll still say God is right. And bow and say Jesus is Lord of all. That's the Savior. 
That's the power of the cross and the resurrection. Doesn't mean they're going to be saved. They're not. Their names weren't written. We have one chance to do that. That's in this life while we have time. We need to make sure we've done that. I didn't say you need to join church. I didn't say you need to be baptized. I didn't say you need to be a Baptist. I didn't say that. If you're a Baptist, if you're not a Baptist, you can just be a little ashamed. <laughs> you knew I was going to say that, didn't you? I'm teasing. Okay, I'm teasing. Okay. But hear me. I'm not teasing about this. Some of y'all haven't accepted Christ publicly as Lord and Savior, and it has to be done. And without Jesus, you stand condemned already. It's time to quit being afraid. It's time to quit worrying about what people are going to say. It's time to get it right with God this morning. And if you'll come forward to the invitation time, I'll show you from Scripture how you can be saved by confessing Him as your Lord and Savior and repenting of your sins to the glory of God the Father. Don't wait till it's too late. Don't put it off for a more convenient season. God has you here this morning because this is your time of convenience. Today is the day of salvation. For others of us, we need to thank God for his eternal plan of Jesus dying in our place on the cross. And we just need to come and love on God a little bit this morning. Just say, thank you, Lord. I can't get over that you sent Jesus for me. Some need to come in rededication. Some to join the church by baptism or letter or statement. But whatever your decision, you need to do it for God now. So I'm going to pray right now. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Don't be worried about putting your Bibles up. I'm going to let you out on time for a change. Mark it down. Father God, this is your time. It's holy time because you are here. Father, let us make the decisions that will please you. And honor and glorify the precious name of Jesus. Let your spirit move among us. Convict our hearts. Let us be obedient. Let us not wait. Give us courage. In Christ's name. Amen.